Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. Today, we'll be talking about the new Apple TV Plus show, Schmigadoon, starring Cecily Strong, Keegan-Michael Key, Alan Cummings, Jamie Camel, and it was produced by Lauren Michaels. And with me virtually is my good friend, Christina. Hello! You're back in Sackville! <laughs> I'm back. I'm back coming to you from across the country. <laughs> so, since the six episodes have been released now on Apple TV Plus for about a month, um, we're going to be talking about the whole plot in detail. So, beware of spoilers. And if you don't care, you can listen to it or go and watch the show and then come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, the show follows a couple Melissa, played by Cecily Strong and Josh, played by Keegan-Michael Key, who go on a hiking trip to help strengthen their relationship. Suddenly lost, they cross over a magical bridge and land in the musical town of Schmigadoon, where the sun shines bright from July to June and the air is as sweet as a macaroon. <laughs> as, as I've heard. <laughs> they quickly realize that they are stuck there and that the only way they can escape is if they find their true soulmate. Through brilliant musical numbers and choreography, Melissa and Josh must find a way out before they are stuck singing songs in Schmigadoon forever. So, Christina, what do we think of Barry Sonnenfeld's Schmigadoon? Oh, I really liked it. It was so much fun. I thought it was, like, genuinely really funny. I love the music. I was just listening to the soundtrack of the whole show in the shower. Um, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I really liked this. It was something that I've needed to see all my life. And I'm like, why has this only been an idea now to make spoofs of classic musicals? Yeah. I just, I just found yeah. it really refreshing and fun. And everything like on TV right now, or like I'm meaning when I say TV, like streaming services, I find really dark or, you know, spooky. And this is just fun and like silly yeah I liked that it was just like it dealt with like you know some important issues about like relationships and such but at the end of the day it was just like light and nice yeah I mean uh, it didn't answer a lot of my questions I have many theories about this show like when the first episode I watched and I like was like oh I can't wait for all these theories to be answered and then none of them were <laughs> <laughs> which was a bit disappointing but I'm really happy Lauren Michaels created this and I think people that listen to the show know that we are both SNL fans so seeing Cecily Strong um in a TV show she should have always been in a TV show she's great oh yeah I thought she was fantastic I like also did not realize how good of a singer she was I know I loved how you know, in the choreography scenes, of course, the dancing of, like, the people that were part of Schmigadoon were really amazing, and their voices were, like, super high, but then when Cecily was on, you know, she'd be, like, dancing, like, how I would probably dance, and, you know, the range that I would sing at, so it was really nice to see yeah. that she wasn't, like, this perfect, you know, singer and dancer, and she just was normal looking. Yeah, no, I, I really liked her character. I thought it was really fun, and yeah, she's just good. Yeah, she could really hold, because a lot of these, like, SNL cast members, they go off to do things, and then, you know, you never really see them again. <laughs> but she can actually hold yeah. her own in a TV show, so if she leaves um, SNL, I hope she does a season two of this. I mean, it hasn't been renewed yet, so we will see. I hope it will. I hope so, too. I have so many theories about season two that we'll, we'll talk about later. <laughs> oh, yes. But 
even if there isn't a season two, I will definitely rewatch this. Oh again. yeah, <laughs> I need to show it to Hannah. She hasn't seen it yet because she doesn't have like Apple anything. So I'm gonna yeah. show it. I'm gonna watch it with her at some point. Yeah, even if you don't like, I, I did the free trial. People out there who don't have Apple TV Plus. And this is the only show I've ever watched on there. I've never watched Ted Lasso, which everyone's always talking about. But yeah, um, yeah. do the free trial. I think Apple Music as a service kind of sucks, but I did love Schmigadoon, so. I did, yes. Sorry, Apple TV, I like Apple Music. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the citizens of Schmigadoon, they have like old school mentalities because they're basically, I, I think they're living like at the turn of the century, I believe. Yeah, I was like the 1900s. Yeah, I'd say that like, yeah, I think that makes sense. So um, like women and men are not allowed to sleep in the same bed together before marriage because when they're trying to get a hotel room, they're unable to do it um, because of Kristen Chenoweth's character. And, you know, auctioning off women is is a thing. Yep. You know, just a normal <laughs> fundraiser. It's a thing in Schmigadoon. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you want to talk about first of the show? I have so many things. I, I Actually, let's talk about the opening, like, the theme song. Yeah. I just always smiled every time that came on. I never skipped it. I love the animation. It just reminded me of those classic 1950s, 1940s musicals. Yeah, no, I mean, I, um... Uh, like, I think we, yeah, we talked about before on your podcast about Annie, and it reminded me of, like, the Annie yeah. movie opening when there's the song and it has, like, the title and the names of everybody. I love that. Why don't they do that in every movie? We need... <laughs> Even if it's not a musical. Modern music, the thing that is missing from modern musicals and modern movies is a good overture. Bring back overtures. I love overtures. Um, and what I liked about this show itself is it obviously pays homage to, I, I was looking it up and it's more like the early 40s musicals, which I'm not as familiar with. Um, they don't really pay homage to the Gene Kelly musicals, um, besides Brigadoon, which is obviously <laughs> the reason this is called Schmigadoon. But but um, I like that they, you know, used you know, ideas and, and, and plots kind of from those old musicals, but then they also, you know, challenged it in a 2020 viewpoint. I'm thinking about Lover's yeah. Spat right now. <laughs> yes, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I remember on TV, like on TCM when I was little, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers was on, and yes, basically oh the premise of that is there's seven brothers and they have to marry these seven brides and they will do anything in order to marry them, even lock them up until they agree to marry them. And I remember it being yep. on TV and I watched like 10 minutes of it and my mom was like, nope, we're changing the channel. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough of that. Yeah. So <clears throat> seeing this, like, like obviously the women, it's, it's talked about so many times throughout this show where like, you know, Emma the school marm is 28 and unmarried, shocker. And, you know, they have those things and they hit the their girlfriends. <laughs> they give them a slap and lovers fat. <laughs> but, like, then there's commentary on that. Like, Melissa will say, you know, ooh, that's not okay <laughs> unless it's consensual. So I do like that yeah. they, they do that because I don't think we should pretend that 
those things never happened, even in musicals. Um, but then we just kind of challenged it in a 2020 viewpoint. Yeah, I agree. I think that if they were like totally okay with everything going on, it would not have worked. <laughs> yeah. And, and I have like, okay, I was hoping cause we did teen beach movie because I was really hyped for Schmigadoon and I really liked teen beach movie. And what I liked about that movie, especially was the song can't stop singing when they are kind of forced to sing in a musical because they have kind of been brainwashed into being stuck there and we didn't get that song in this show and I was very disappointed yeah I think that like yeah it was funny because um Melissa was just like totally down to sing like as soon as she realized what was going on she was like oh yeah I can sing hell yeah and then Keegan-Michael Key's character, um, it's Josh? Yes. Is his character? Yeah, he holds out till the end. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's like the, she's the Ross Lynch character. <laughs> He's the girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what did you think about, um, so like the first two episodes, I think, came out all at once. And then the other four came out every Friday, but what did you think about the first two episodes? I really liked the first two. I'm glad that they did them as, like, a double header, um, because I think, like, yeah, I think that it's, like, more engaging once you get into the second episode, and, like, Joss and Melissa, Melissa, like, they know where they are, they know what the stakes are, like, they know what's happening, so I'm glad they, like, I'm glad they released them both at once. Yeah, me too. I also like that we got to see a bit of their life in New York as, I think they're both doctors, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, like, at the beginning of every episode after the overture, we would see, like, a bit of their relationship um, before going back to present day of their time in Schmigadoon. And it kind of showed either, like, their strengths in their relationship or their the reasons that they are, you know, having trouble and going to this hike in the first place. Um, so I thought that was really strong because it only would have been like two minutes each time we would see their lives back in New York and and um, you kind of could pinpoint what the problems were. Yeah, no, I thought that that was really clever. Um, yeah, I really liked that we got those flashbacks to their lives like outside of Schmigadoon. I thought that that was... Yeah, I thought that that was really interesting. And it was interesting to see that, like, I mean, what they both realized throughout the show, spoilers, and what we, we realize is it's not that one of them is the issue. It's that they both have their, like, strengths and weaknesses, and they just need to learn to, like, accept that about each other and bounce each other out. I think that's really nice. Yeah, I think so, too. They don't show that often in TV shows, and they also don't show people being together for like two years like they were living together I think in New York and they were pretty serious and she offers to go do this hike because she wants to strengthen their relationship because he's working a lot and then they obviously get lost but on the hike the guy um says people have died yeah (laughs) where did they die in Schmigadoon (laughs) Well, that's what I was thinking, because I have so many theories, but one of the theories I will touch on was that, like, first of all, you know, there's the obvious one, are they dead? But I don't think that's true. My other theory was that, you know, like, the people that potentially died, or or did they just disappear and they didn't know what happened to them? And did they become 
citizens of Schmigadoon. Like, I was thinking if they stay in Schmigadoon long enough, will they actually become Schmigadoon citizens? Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because I mean, like, you know, if, um, like, they set up so strongly, again, where we're, like, jumping ahead a little bit, but, like, they really set up Melissa with the doctor, like, in the, like, like you know, episodes, like, seven or eight, um, and they really sh- set up Josh with, like, Emma the school marm, and so, like, you wonder if they had chosen to stay with either, like, Emma and or the Doctor, would they have just stayed in Schmigadoon forever and become, like, those characters? Is that what happened to other people in the town? See, that's, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I know he was gonna plan on going to New York with Emma, but, I mean, how would she fit in New York? <laughs> Yeah, no, that would have been terrible. (laughs) She couldn't be a teacher. She doesn't have the qualifications. (laughs) But anyway, we can talk about... I loved Emma so much in this. Oh, me too. Um, So, the first opening song, um, like, we talked about the overture, but then we hear it when they arrive in Schmigadoon, and it's basically called Schmigadoon. Um, I love that number. I love the costumes. I love that everything is fake because it's sunny from July to June, so there's no rain. Yeah. (laughs) I just loved that opening song. Um, And when Alan Cummings' character, the mayor, talks, it totally reminds me of the munchkins um, in The Wizard of Oz when, you know, they're, like, making the conclusion that the Wicked Witch is dead. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I don't I know if you thought that, that. No, I was thinking that too because I remember like the first time I watched it when the mayor does his part of like when he does his little like spoken bit there. I was trying to figure out what it reminded me of, and it took me like a few listens of the song to be like, "Oh, the Munchkins." The <laughs> Munchkins, yeah. Um, and obviously, this should be the strongest song because it is the theme song. Um, but yeah, I love the lyrics. Um, yeah. And then there's You Can't Tame Me, which is the second song. Do you want to talk about that one? I love Aaron Tavay so much. He's one of my favorite Broadway boys, and I loved it. (laughs) I loved that song. I thought it was so silly and goofy, and I love him so much. He's like Aaron Tavay is Danny, which is kind of ironic since he played Danny Zuko (laughs) in Grease Block. (laughs) so he's always danny um but i like this song because it was super ironic he's like the bad boy um corrupt i guess uh he works at the theme park of schmigadoon because that's a thing sure and theme park that (laughs) no one's at ever yeah it's just empty because no one goes near danny the bad boy um (laughs) But it's such a silly song because the whole time he's saying you can't tame me to Melissa because he thinks Melissa's into him. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm okay. And he's saying you can't tame me. But then he's also singing about their future together. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. (laughs) And yeah, then that's another part where like you see the commentary because he does the line where he's like, he talks about them like having kids together and he's like two, two girls for you and two boys for me. And Melissa's like, wouldn't all of the kids be for both of us? Well, that's, yeah. I know, what is this mentality? And he's, like, thinking about working on the tractor and having the white picket fence. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She has an IUD. <laughs> Calm down. 
<laughs> um, Corn Puddin did not really like that song, except it's very catchy, so I have it in my head like an earworm. Yeah, same. Um, thoughts on Dove Cameron? She just made me uncomfortable throughout the couple episodes that she was in. Um, I was, you know, too old to watch her on Disney Channel when she got really popular oh, on Disney Channel. Oh, she was Channel. on I Disney just, Channel? Is that what she's yes. from? I, like, recognized her name, like, but I was like, I have no clue who this person is. <laughs> she's, like, the Descendants, like, the, the show, oh. the Disney show movie. Is it a movie? Is it a show? I, I don't know. I think know. it's a series of movies. I think there have been, like, three movies. Okay, a series of movies. Yeah, so she's from that, so obviously I wouldn't watch that. Because it came out when, I guess, we were 15 or 16. Um, but her face just is so plasticky to me. It just looked cursed. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad she was not, like... Uh, a, I'm really glad she didn't have a bigger role in the show. Because that was enough. <laughs> she was great for, like, the two episodes where she got to do stuff. And I'm glad that that was all she did. Also, the whole uncomfortable thing between her being into Josh... If you look up the ages here, Keegan-Michael Key is born in 1971. Cecily Strong is born in the early 80s, so there's about a 10-year gap right there. Yeah, I thought he was and older than her. Dove Cameron is born in 1996. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the reason, like, no, no problem against Dove Cameron herself, but I like shows, and this is why I really like Schmigadoon, because all the women except her looked really normal and they had normal figures and they had normal faces and they didn't have like tons of makeup on and they all looked really cute and then we see Dove Cameron who's obviously had a lot of work and surgery done and she's probably like if she's four years older than that she's only like 24 or 25 and it, I just found it took it myself away from enjoying the show when she'd be on. Yeah, also found her irritating. <laughs> yeah, no, she was, yeah, she was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the corn pudding song, which, yeah, do you have thoughts on it? I, I mean, like, it's catchy and it's fun. And I liked that it was like a euphemism for sex. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and I liked when, when Melissa does her verse. I thought, like, I thought that that was fun because I think it, like, I feel like the whole purpose of that song is to set up because she, like, does her verse and then Josh is like, why? And she's like, it's so weird. Like, I, it was like I knew exactly what to say. Like, I didn't even have to think about it. And it was like, oh, ho, ho. <laughs> we are in a musical. Yeah, and that comes in handy later when they're, um, they're doing the duet, her and Aaron Tevite. So it, it's, it's an interesting. I would have loved to delve into that more, but then the show ended. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I am, like, when you're saying about these underlying, like, there's so many underlying things in this show about sex and, and, and um, you know, sexual preferences. But what I like about it is that the show itself is so classy. So when they are singing about sex, it doesn't even sound like they're singing about sex. Like, they yeah. could say anything and it would sound classy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's very clever because, yeah, they, like, there's so many sexual innuendos, but it is very infrequent that they actually, like, talk about sex outright, and they never show it. You get, like, a hint of it when you see, like, Josh and Melissa, like, how they met and how they first hooked up, but that's about it. 
yeah, it's, it is adult oriented, but at the same time you could have your kids in the room because they would not know what's going on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then we have the final song of the episode one, which was the Leprechaun song. I was so disappointed that Martin Short was like never seen again in this show. Oh no, I couldn't. Yeah, I like, because his name is in the opening every episode. Yeah. So I was like, surely he's going to come back. Nope. <laughs> nope, ne- not even at the end when they're crossing the bridge again. Just Yeah, nope. I really thought he was going to show up at the very least at the end. But he didn't, so uh, sucks, didn't. To, sucks to be us, I guess. And when he appeared, it just was like so... <laughs> he looked so weird. I like... I thought it was funny. Like, I like that he was a leprechaun, but I wish... Yeah, I wish that he'd been back and that he'd gotten to do more. Yeah, through his leprechaun song, they realize that they're stuck in a musical and that the only way they can get back to New York is if they cross the bridge with their true love. So... Uh, Melissa tries again with Josh and they're still stuck in Schmigadoon and Josh comes to the conclusion that they have to try with other people. Now, Melissa is super upset about this, but at the same time, doesn't she want to escape? Yeah, like, I understand why she'd be upset because, I mean, like, the whole theme of, like, Josh's character arc is that he, like, gives up immediately and is like, well, on to the next thing. Um, So, like, I get it, but also... I mean, it's like a logical conclusion for Josh to make. Like, if if it's not working with Melissa, I guess uh, I guess gotta try with somebody else. <laughs> so that's when the lovers spat came in, which is a great another great choreography piece. Just excellent costumes. Did you feel that the show always had a weird filter on it? Yeah, and I don't know if that. I feel like it was definitely intentional, but yeah, it definitely felt like everything was like heavily filtered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of like, I feel like they were going for like a Bye Bye Birdie vibe. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Bye Bye Birdie movie, but there are scenes of that oh. movie that are so filtered and some of them look great and some of them look terrible. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a musical? It is. Yeah, it's a musical. I think it was originally on Broadway and then they made a movie with like most of the Broadway cast. And I only watched it because Dick Van Dyke was like in the original Broadway show and the movie. And he's great. He's fantastic in it. It's like one of my go-to feel-good movies because it's incredibly stupid, but like really fun. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it looks like some of the scenes of it look absolutely awful. Okay. Yeah, I want to know if, you know, each one of these songs, I'm not, I I like watching classic films, but I haven't really watched that many classic musicals besides, you know, Singing in the Rain and American in Paris and obviously Wizard of Oz. But I'm really curious if the um, songwriter, I think his name is Cinco Paul. Uh, he did all the soundtrack. And I'm curious if he, like, if each song has a bit of, you know, pays homage to, you know, the, the original musical songs. Um, yeah. I couldn't find this out online, but I'm very curious because obviously Schmigadoon is... Like, the name is meant for Brigadoon, but, you know, the song itself, I don't think that would be a song in any old musical, so I'm very curious. Yeah, I, it's funny because I feel like I know a lot of classic musicals, like, I love, I love me some Barbara Streisand, um, but I, like, yeah, I had never seen Brigadoon and basically knew nothing about it before watching this show, so I have no idea, like, how much of it is actually similar to Brigadoon, like, 
Well, okay, the Schmig actually, the Schmigadoon opening, like, are you talking about, like, the, like, town theme song, basically? Yes. Because that's Oklahoma. <laughs> that is 1,000% oh. Oklahoma, because, like, even the way it starts, because they do, like, Schmig, a dune, which is the exact same as, like, <laughs> Oklahoma, where, like, oh, it's, like, the exact same, like, type of cadence. So, like, that was, like, definitely Oklahoma, but I have no idea how much of it was, like, pulled from the yeah. actual musical Schmigadoon. Right, because I could see some similarities of things, especially when my favorite song came up with All of Your Heart to, um, like, The King and I and things like that, but I've never seen Oklahoma. Oh, oh, my God. The, like, most recent revival of Oklahoma is so good. you got to look it up. It's so good. Have you seen Carousel? No, I haven't. No, I think that's with the mom from the Partridge family. Whoa. Oh, wow. That's um, weird. <laughs> now I need to look this up. <laughs> okay, Carousel is with, yes, Shirley Jones. Yeah. Wow. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, she's also in, she's also the lady in Oklahoma. Oh, she was, she was <laughs> just doing it all. <laughs> Wow, so in 1956, she did Carousel. In 1955, she did Oklahoma. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the next song, Somewhere Love, is Somewhere Love is Waiting for You? I love this one. I have it in my head before I go to bed. I love that song so much. I mean, I love the mayor. Like, as soon as that song, like, as soon as... I, I was watching the show with my parents, and, like, as soon as we heard the song, we were like, oh, he's gay. And then, like... Yeah. The first time you see him, like, properly interact with the priest, we were like, oh, they're in love. Like, this could not be more obvious. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I know. I just love the way he opens, like, that somewhere. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to place, like, what that's a parody of. I'm, I was, like, trying to think about it. I don't know if it, like, parodies, like, anything as specifically as, like, the, like, the Schmigadoon, Oklahoma parody. Yeah. But, like, oh, man, it was funny. There, and Alan Cummings so good. There's always, like, in one of those old classic movies, like, this old, like, man that's kind of like a grandpa and really nice, but he has a really strong accent. And I swear that guy's, like, in, like, yeah. five musicals from the olden days or, like, classic comedies <laughs> from the olden days that aren't even that funny. And he's just always, like, that kind of person. So I thought, are they making a joke of that guy? <laughs> I'm sure you're right. It was he was definitely like supposed to be the like stereotypical like old man like giving wise advice. Although this song was actually good. I know that like I talk Hannah and I joke all the time about like in modern musicals how there's like the old man skip yeah. song. Like there's one in Waitress, there's one in In the Heights. No offense to anybody who's a fan of Inutile. I'm glad they cut it from the movie. But, like, there's always the old man song that you, like, skip on the soundtrack because it's boring. But Alan Cummings was actually interesting. No, it's because, like, the lyrics are also so good. He says something along the lines of, um, and, like, when you find the person, no bells will be ringing, no angels singing, something along that lines. And I thought that was really realistic, and you'd yeah. never hear that in any Gene Kelly musical because the angels are singing and bells are ringing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought it was really beautiful. I really liked it. And then Enjoy the Ride was also really great. I loved it when it was um, Danny and Melissa singing it and not Betsy yeah. and Josh because that just 
made me so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. She was... Yep. Ooh, so leading him on. I really liked the joke of like Josh realizing how young she is. Like I thought that that was pretty funny. Yeah. But oh man. She's so <laughs> oh promiscuous because she's basically singing in the song how she's going to wait till marriage. But then while she's singing it, she's eating certain things. <laughs> <laughs> Licking her Licking fingers. fingers. And he's like, there's some mixed <laughs> messages right here. <laughs> I love when she goes yeah. to like this tiny tree and she's like, look, Josh, that's, that was planted when I was born. And it's like <laughs> one foot. It's really small. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, that's enough. At least Melissa found someone her age, Josh. <laughs> oh, we have to talk about the yeah. auction. <laughs> oh my God. The auction scene is very funny. I really, okay, I think the bit is so funny where, because, like, normally, like, when people make bits about, like, oh, haha, the character's drunk, like, isn't that funny? I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, they're drunk. But I thought I thought the bit of how there was, like, the gentleman's punch, which had alcohol in it, and the lady's yeah. punch, which didn't, was really funny. It was so <laughs> funny because I think that would have been a thing. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that was a thing. And it's so stupid. Oh, but we haven't talked about Kristen Chenoweth yet, though. Um, She's like the busy body woman of the whole town that's monitoring everything. And she hates Melissa and Josh because they're creating havoc in Schmigadoon. Um, What did you think (laughs) of her? I loved her. I think it was really funny to see her like... She does a fantastic job of playing the, like, evil old bitch because she looks so just mean all the time. Like, she does a great job of the role, but it was also really funny to see her in it because, like, the thing... The two things I know Kristen Chenoweth from the best are her as Glenda the Good Witch (laughs) in Wicked and as Sally in the Charlie Brown musical. So, like, it was so funny to see her be mean. Yeah, and with that awful lip liner, which made her lip always, like, have a downturn. Yes! Oh, my God, she looked so evil the whole time, and she was she was clearly, like, having the time of her life be evil. I thought she did so good. Yeah, because she's the only antagonist besides the whole fact that they can't leave Schmigadoon um, in this show. Yeah. But, yeah, I really like that Melissa got drunk and that they showed that, because that was just super great. And then, you know, her and the sexual innuendos between her and Danny were so funny when she's, like, trying to win a prize. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was really funny. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, just, like, again, the whole theme park is empty. Just them. (laughs) Of course it is. Nobody else is ever in the theme park, ever. (laughs) I don't even, I couldn't even tell you where in the town it is because most of what we see of the town is, like, that main square. I have no clue where this carnival is. This whole musical, or this whole show reminded me of Burnaby Village. (laughs) Oh, my God, you're so right. Shout out to Burnaby Village. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I was going to say this for later, but the entirety of the show was filmed in Vancouver last fall, October 13th to December 10th. I don't know why they didn't ask me to participate. Yeah, kind of rude. But they did not. (laughs) I would have loved to be in this. Not singing the high parts because I wouldn't have been able to do that. But just, you know, in the background, not being able to do the cartwheels or the dancing. 
just, you know, walking around town would have been fun. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't say online where it was filmed, so it could have been filmed at Burnaby Village. It could have been Burnaby Village. It easily could have been Burnaby Village. Um, so then in the episode three, it's basically, I think, Melissa and Danny have had like a one night stand and he's cooking her a big breakfast and he's like, I'm going to take care of you now. We're going to get married now that you're pregnant. And she's like, whoa, 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 I have an IUD. And he has no idea what that is. And she's just like, you know, you don't have to worry. And he was like, it's not a problem as long as it's a boy. But if it's a girl with those frills, heaven forbid. Pink wearing <laughs> Frilly girl. Heaven forbid they have a girl. And she and then that's like the end of Danny's storyline. I know. I was I really expected more from Danny. <laughs> Actually, can I tell you one of my theories? This is like again, I feel like I'm sorry I keep yes. jumping around. Um but okay. It's a hard it's hard to stay track with this show. Yeah, I feel like there's so much that like ties into each other that I keep like jumping ahead. But one of my big theories is so later you find out that like Emma the school marm, her younger brother, quote unquote, is actually her son. And she's like... I knew that all along. Yeah, right. It's like pretty obvious. It's so obvious. <laughs> but she's been like <laughs> lying to everybody and saying that he was her brother because like, whoa, she had a child like while she was young, out of wedlock. Out whoa. of wedlock. Yeah. And so... There's a part later where, like, the, the kid, like, finds out that she's actually, like, his mom and not his older sister. And he, like, runs away because he's really mad. And Josh and Emma go out to look for him. And Danny finds Josh and, like, punches him and is like, you stole my woman. Which I guess we're supposed to believe means Melissa. But that doesn't make any sense because at the time he's not with Melissa. And yeah. so I was totally convinced that he was the dad of, like, Emma's kid. Oh. I was so convinced. I was like, this is going to be the big reveal at the end, is he's the rapscallion because, like, he's the dad who, like, because he makes the comment earlier about, like, oh, my God, you're going to have a kid to Melissa. I was like, oh, he's definitely the dad. Like, him and Emma hooked up, and, like, he's the dad, but he's just, like, disappeared and been, like, the town rapscallion ever since. And I was so convinced. And even at the end, there's like a whole bit where all of them like are like revealing things about themselves. And I was like, yes. here it is. He's going to reveal it. And then he was like, there's no way to win the carnival games. I was like, that's it. That's all you have. I know. <laughs> I know because I didn't it didn't make sense to me because I thought at the time I didn't think what you thought. I thought, well, that's bad writing because I thought she's not even with um, Josh, and she's not even with Danny. Shouldn't he be punching the doctor? Exactly. I was like, this makes no sense unless Danny is talking about Emma. Right. Yeah. It is really weird. I, the problem I have with this show is that I find episode one to four really, really strong. And then all of a sudden, in episode five and six, they bring up these new characters and they bring up these new issues. I'm thinking of the Countess right now who didn't even need to be in this show. I'm thinking about Kristen Chenoweth having to run for mayor. Was that really necessary? Did we need another problem? But we got two and, great and songs <laughs> out of it. Tribulation is so good. I think about it every day. <laughs> oh my God. But like I find that... And then by the time episode five is done, then episode six is this quick wrap-up and... 
And then we don't even get those things answered. And it's like, did we need to have the Countess in there wasting time? I really, like, I loved the Countess. And I love, like, I love her song and I love Tribulation. But I wish we'd had, like, one or two more episodes. Because, yeah, I feel like we, like, Hmm. like... As we mentioned already, I do not miss Dove Cameron's character, but I feel like we like tossed her and Danny aside so quickly that yeah, we needed yeah. like more out of and even like honestly, even Dove's Cameron's character gets a little bit of closure because like there's the whole bit where her dad's like trying to get Josh to marry her, like at gunpoint, and Emma is like, Do you really think so little of your daughter that you have to like force men to marry her at gunpoint? Like you don't trust her to like marry someone on her own yeah so I think that that's like a good scene and it gives her like enough closure that it's okay that that's the last we see of her but we get nothing from Danny we get absolutely nothing he just has sex with Melissa and then like buggers off until the end of the show yeah I thought we had enough of of Betsy and I thought that was okay closure of Dove Cameron's character but I thought it was really abrupt with Danny. Like, I thought, come on, he's not going to chase after Melissa or see her hanging out with the doctor and be like, hey, you know, we slept together. Yeah. You're having my baby. Like, he didn't even challenge that anymore. No, he just drops it. He's just like, well, them's the breaks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, they need to have a season two. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, oh, I want season two so bad. <laughs> So then the second song was He's a Queer One, That Ma- that Man Oh Mine, which so was basically good. when, <laughs> I love this song, I love all the things that are surrounding in the house. So ba- <laughs> basically, <laughs> Melissa is over at the mayor's wife's house um, for tea, and she's really sad, Melissa, still over her breakup from Josh, um, and, and Danny was just a rebound. And I guess... I don't remember her name, but the wife's saying how she loves her husband, although, you know, they don't have many steamy nights together. (laughs) She's basically still a virgin, even though she's been married for a very long time. And she sings about this song about her husband. And, you know, we as the audience know, and Melissa knows that he's gay, but this show is set at such a different time. And I just thought it was really well done how they place certain, like, statues of men you know, yeah, it reminded with me, each other. And oh my god, it reminded me of. Um, have you ever seen the the movie or the musical The Birdcage, La Cage aux Fall? No. Oh my the the musical is like better than the movie for sure, but the movie's still really funny. It stars Robin Williams and Nathan Lane as a gay couple. Um, it's great. Long story short, they're having this like very conservative family over for dinner, and their like housekeeper has put out these bowls and around the trim of the bowls are like men having like anal sex (laughs) that's like the print around the bowls and the family and there's like this whole bit where the family like the conservative family is looking at the bowls and they're like oh what's this unique pattern on your bowls are these are these boys playing leapfrog and it's so and that's all I was thinking about during like that scene that song in (laughs) Schmigadoon Oh my god, that's amazing. Because her lyrics are like, some men come home drunk wanting dessert and then sex, but my man, he doesn't want any of those things. And you're like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. And I think Melissa says, oh gosh, this is me in high school or something. Yeah, which is so funny because like, yeah, haven't we all? <laughs> 
And then we come to my... Okay, this was definitely one of my favorite songs, Cross That Bridge. Yes, oh my, I that's the one that's in my love, head the most. That's like my that's favorite song, song it's of always, the show. Especially the gospel. Like, there's like the regular theme song and then there's like a different section of the song. Yeah. So good it's really good it's it's oh my god it's in my head so often the issue with that whole idea because josh you know quits he gives up is that you know martin short the leprechaun told him that you need to have true love in order to cross the bridge now once it fails with betsy he thinks that he can just pick any girl off of the street in schmigadoon and cross the bridge with them how is that true love yeah i guess that like yeah, I don't know. I guess that they're just, like, playing with the concept of, like, what does true love mean, especially, like, in the world of these musicals. But, yeah, like, Josh, you're an idiot. <laughs> I know, because maybe they like you, but they don't love you, Josh. <laughs> exactly. I know, I just, I need I did think Those it are... was really, really funny how he uses on, like, Betsy and eventually all the girls crossing the bridge, like, we get this flashback to, like, him and Melissa attending a wedding, and they talk about, I don't even remember, like, whose wedding they're at, but it's, like, the something feeling, and then how, like, Josh uses that and renames it the Skinner feeling, I thought yes. that was so funny. Oh, he treats her so badly at the wedding, he doesn't even dance with her. He does, Josh, you're lame. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I gotta talk about some of the lyrics in this. So the part, so there's like the the main theme, like find that bridge and cross it now, and like about trying to get married because apparently if you're still single at 23, that's very bad. Single still at 23, <sighs> terrible. Ooh, I got two years. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, we gotta get on uh -oh. that. <laughs> uh, but my <laughs> my favorite part was like when there'd be this like woman coming in be like. Um, it's not a metaphor. Oh no, it's something more. It's a literal yeah. bridge. I loved that part. I always have that section in my Me head. Too. <laughs> Sister, get that mister. Go get him. <laughs> so good. But the lyrics are so funny. Like when they say like, I'm going to read it out because nobody wants to hear me sing anymore. But like, find that bridge and cross it now. Find that bridge and cross it now. Every day you're hesitating is the day your looks are fading. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> And then all the gals who dilly-dally end up dying in an alley. <laughs> I love that because it talks about the pressures of having to be with someone at a certain age, especially in those days. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And how you're, you're, the reason you are alive is because you are supposed to get married and have children. Mm -hmm. How much pressure is that? Like, yeah. And I love that they talk about this and how you know, you are supposed to be married because you're not going to live that long and you have to have a son. Yeah. No, I... Yeah, I think it's really good. I, I love that song. It's so good. It was definitely one of the stronger songs of the whole show because, you know, every episode, they don't have as many songs. I don't know if you noticed, it kind of got less yeah. and less by the end. There was like, what? <laughs> and more and more plot but, to get through. <laughs> Yeah, because they had to bring up more issues. But, yeah, that was a really strong one. Um, and is that the episode where we meet the doctor? Okay, I love Jamie Kamel. I watched all of Jane the Virgin. Love him. He's a great actor. So glad he was in this. Yeah, I think, I think that's, like, 
the the cliffhanger of that episode is Melissa Viasen or oh my god, I just mixed her up with like a real SNL person. Melissa the character played Melissa by Viasen. Cecily Strong. <laughs> not Melissa Viasen, no. She is so funny. Like, she should have been in this. She should have been in this. Oh my god, my parents kept saying that they wish Melissa Villasenor was also in the show, and I was like, yeah, next season. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, when I think the cliffhanger at the end of episode three is Melissa like meeting the doctor and realizing that he's young and hot. Yes, and it's also really interesting, their dynamic, because she's still broken up with Josh, but she wants to work because she's a doctor, and she gets this shitty like nurse position um, with, I can't remember his name. Is he just the doctor? I'm looking at here. Um, Doc Lopez. Okay. So she has this shitty, you know, nurse position when she's actually like, I think she does surgeries. So oh, she delivers babies. Oh, she delivers babies. Right. Sorry. So she's definitely more advanced than Doc Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, there's all these issues too that they bring up about how he doesn't see any patients uh, uh, female patients who have had a baby out of wedlock and there's this one woman coming and she's very very pregnant and he like says you're not allowed to come and he's the only doctor there and she's yeah. like needs to be seen and Melissa you know stands up to him and she's like hey if I'm gonna work here until she finds a way to leave Schmigadoon I want to you need to be equal to all patients and you need to see everyone and help them and I thought that was really interesting yeah, but I also I, was thinking... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I really liked that part of the show. Yeah, because, I mean, how awful to, you know, deny people the right to health care, which is obviously a thing. But yep. <laughs> I like that they showed it in a musical, because people always think of musicals as these happy, you know, they only talk about the good stuff. But mm. this movie talked about a lot of issues. Um, the one thing that I always wondered was, why none of, like, Josh or Melissa ever say, you know, hey, how do we get out of here? Like, to any of the the townspeople, like, when they're like, hey, what's going on? You know, why are you sad? They never say to them, I want to be able to go back home. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. Like, I'm interested in knowing what the townsfolk know because I have a feeling that, like, it's kind of like teen beach movie where they are so much like characters in a musical that they aren't aware of the world. I don't know if I'm making sense. What I'm getting at yeah. is that there's, I think it's after um, uh, You Can't Tame Me when like Aaron Tveh does his little song and Cecily Strong is like, oh, that song was so great. And he goes, what song? And she's like, you just yeah. sang a song. And he's like, no I didn't and then they just like move on so I was like oh okay none of the characters know they're in a musical <laughs> it's just like Teen yeah. Beach movie I get it <laughs> and none of them want to leave except Emma when she finds out about New York from Josh yeah that's true I swear they're all brainwashed <laughs> oh yeah it's definitely yeah they're in their own little <laughs> thing they don't know what's going on <laughs> So in episode four, the first song um, of that episode was With All of Your Heart, which I love to sing in the shower. Yeah, that's like that and, and Cross That Bridge are like top two. Yes, but with Cross That Bridge, I have to do it like at a lower range. Yeah. <laughs> but With All of Your Heart, this is Emma the School Marm's song. We finally get to see more of Emma. She's usually just in the background. 
Um, and Josh is there at one of her classes because he's fixing a door for her. And he pursues her because she was the only one that didn't go to the cross that bridge number because she doesn't want to get married. Um, I just love this song. I love old-fashioned classrooms. I've always thought that was really cool. When it's like a one-room schoolhouse. Yeah, I really liked it. And I loved, like, all the kids being in on the song. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. (laughs) F-U-N. Also, okay, speaking of Emma the School Marm and also just school in general, I don't think you've seen The Prom yet on Netflix. Um, I am watching it. (laughs) It was was so, like, okay, I'm going to preface this by saying, like, in real life, Ariana DeBose, the woman who plays Emma the School Marm, and, like, Keegan-Michael Key are, like, are not that far apart in age. Like, I think that, like, Ariana DeBose is, like, probably around Cecily Strong's age. So there's probably, like, another, like, you know, like, five to ten-ish year age gap. Like, not that big a deal. It's whatever. Like, it's fine. Um, but in the, it was really weird to see them play love interest in this because, I don't know if you knew this, Ariana DeBose is also in The Prom, so Keegan-Michael Key plays the principal, and they, like, age him up a lot in the prom so that he can be, like, Meryl Streep's love interest. Um, what? And Yeah, I know, I know. They, like, age. It's fantastic. Like, he's amazing. He gets to kiss Meryl Streep. It's so good. Um, but they age him up, like, a bunch so that he can be Meryl Streep's love interest. And they age Ariana DeBose down a lot because she plays, like, one of the high schoolers. So it was so bizarre seeing them be love interests in this after watching the prom. <laughs> I'm actually happy I've watched this first and then going to watch the prom because I really thought they had great chemistry together and I rooted for them. I mean, of yeah. course, I knew Josh and Melissa would end up together, but I thought they were also a really good match. But now I'm actually I have the prom. I've downloaded it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> It's, yeah, like, they, yeah, no, I agree. I think they have fantastic chemistry in Schmigadoon, and I think that they make a really believable couple. It was just weird to, in the back of my mind, be thinking about, like, him playing a principal who is, like, Meryl Streep age and her playing, like, an 18-year-old. That is so weird. Well, okay, Keegan-Michael Key looks really good for his age. When you think of 50-year-old men, I thought he was, like, 38. Yeah, no, me too. I'm shocked that, yeah, no, he's... He's a good-looking guy. He's a young-looking dude. I know. He's so handsome. (laughs) Anyway. um, Okay. We got to talk about the Doremi song. Yes. Which is basically the sound of music, but the sex talk. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so well done. I just, like, first of all, I think it's because, like, obviously the original song is, like, Doremi, and I think it's really funny that when you listen to, like, this song on Apple Music, it's called Vagina, but it's like titled so that it's like Vagina. It's so funny. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean like her whole storyline with um with what's his face, Dr. Lopez, is like obviously the sound of music. So I think that like the fact that they included that song in that way is so funny. Yeah. So basically, after Lopez throws out that very pregnant girl, heavily pregnant woman. Um, she chases after her and finds her hiding in the Alps with her <laughs> boyfriend that got her pregnant. And it's like totally the sound of music hill and everything. And <laughs> Melissa looks perfect because she's in a nurse outfit with that ridiculous hat. 
<laughs> and she pulls out her, I guess they just have a guitar hanging around, and she starts singing, like, Do Re Mi, but it's the sex talk. Like, you gotta watch the show and take it with, like, a grain of salt. <laughs> Who is producing this? It's Lauren really Michaels. Funny. It's not gonna be this, like, old-fashioned musical. Yeah, it, do not expect a serious musical. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny, corn pudding in this. It's so brilliant. It's really, really good. Um, and then when the couple, like, repeat it because they don't even know how babies appear. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And then we get the Suddenly song, which is super cute, um, which you probably didn't like as much because you were seeing... Well, uh, you were seeing Josh and... Emma's relationship in a different light than me. Yeah, I mean, like, it, like they do have great chemistry, and I think the song, like, I like the song. It's just, like, not one of my favorites. But, like, none of the songs in the show are bad. No. They're all really good. And I liked how they split the screen in this one when Doc Lopez and Melissa are singing, and then Josh and um, Emma are singing, and they split the screen, and then Josh and... and uh, Melissa are looking at each other, but they're not together. I thought that was really yeah. well done. Oh, no, I think that scene's so good when they, like, reach for each other, but they're not actually, like, anywhere near each other. I think that's yeah. so beautiful. It's really beautiful, and it, it was hurting my heart. I was like, oh, my gosh, I like Emma and Josh together, but Melissa and Josh are the ones. Like, we knew they had to end up back together. We knew that that was how it had to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, then episode five, do you want to talk about Tribulation Song? This is when we finally see a lot of Kristen Chenny with, like, she's usually in the background making remarks about how she hates Emma <laughs> and Josh and how her families were the forefathers of Schmigadoon. And now I, we finally see her in her own song. Oh, my God, I love it. I mean, I love Kristen Chenoweth. Like, I, I adore her. Everything she does is perfect. But, oh, my God, I think the song is funny. So are you familiar with the, the Music Man at all? I feel like I am the worst person to be doing this podcast today. No, I am not. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, like, I've never watched The Music Man. I have never like, had any inclination to watch it. But the most fa- I do know the most famous song from Music Man because it's one of Hannah's favorite songs like ever. It's, um, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like, oh, yeah, we got trouble right here in River City with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. And that's like the big, like, line from it and so like this was such a like perfect parody of that it was so good I think it's so funny hey guess who was in music man Shirley Jones oh my god no way (laughs) (laughs) now I'm looking up how many musicals she's been in because this is insane I had no idea that's so funny (laughs) okay just those three Oklahoma Carousel and the music man damn good job Shirley (laughs) <laughs> but yeah no I loved it I loved I loved Kristen Chenoweth doing it I thought she was great and yeah it was so funny yeah because she wants to be in power and the mayor says at the beginning Alan Cummings character like he makes all these buttons and he gives them to people and he's like it's just me I'm running again as mayor but I have no opponents so it's fine and then here we have by episode five someone else running for mayor, and she's getting all these voters because they don't like how... The, the citizens of Schmigadoon don't like how Melissa and Josh have changed the whole dynamic, even though they haven't, really. And 
she's talking about like the trials and the tribulations. But yeah, with the way you were saying how they talk really fast in in um, the Music Man, that was a they were totally paying homage to that. Oh yeah, and like, I mean, the whole like spoilers for The Music Man, a musical that came out in, like, the 60s. But, like, the whole premise of that show is that, like, the guy, the music man, is, like, a total con artist and, like, a scammer. So to have her, like, parody his song was funny. Also, do you know what the funniest line in that song is? There's, like, a spoken bit at the beginning where they're all, like, they're all going, like, strife, strife, strife in the background. And she's, like, my forefathers founded, like, Schmigadoon, like, have, like, decades ago when they found this little patch of land and said they'll never find us here and that line's so funny I was yeah. like Kristen what does that mean I know tell <laughs> Mildred. us is it hidden <laughs> it's so funny I know she is so funny and, and when she boils over when when she she realizes that um her husband is in love with Alan Cummings her facial expression is perfect and when she doesn't let her husband, the priest, you know, eat a scone. Yeah. She's so controlling. So... Yeah, she's great. God, I love her. <laughs> Hate Mildred. Hate Love Mildred. Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. I think that was the only song of that. No, of there the... was also, um, I only know this because I was listening to the soundtrack, but there's also Jane Krakowski's big song oh. is The Countess. Right. So The Countess is basically... The one, I guess she's also called the Countess in The Sound of Music. Yeah, just she's the Countess. <laughs> That's it. That's her character. And she's in love with Doc Lopez. And Melissa wants to be with Doc Lopez until she realizes that she's in love with Josh. And after Emma reveals to the town or she reveals to Josh that she is actually Carson's mom... Um, she kind of like, they both, you know, say that they're in love with each other. And he says like, we can go to New York. You don't have to stay here. Like, don't really see the, the issues in that at all, dude. Like she thinks it's 1901. Like, yep. <laughs> she doesn't even know what a bus is. Aaron Tveit doesn't even know what a bus is. But yeah, I mean, and then I guess they're going to cross the bridge and then he has these second thoughts. And I was like, are you not even going to say goodbye to Melissa? Like, even if you don't want to be with her, are you not even going to say, hey, I'm leaving Schmigadoo now. You're going to be by yourself. Yeah, he was just going to leave. <laughs> like, hello, you were just with this woman for two years. You lived together. But okay. Um, okay. Oh, Josh. I loved when he's finally sang. It took six episodes, but he finally sang and you make me want to sing. That's such a beautiful song. And um, yeah. it really reminded me of La La Land. Yes. Oh, yeah, me too. I will say, I think my, like, my my other, like, only real complaint about the show is, like, I understand why Josh doesn't sing until the very end from a character perspective, and I think that it's, like, really beautiful that he does finally sing. Um, like, I love it. But I was also kind of mad that they had Keegan-Michael Key do six episodes of a musical show and he only got to sing one song. I was like, come on, he's so good. He's such a good the, singer. His role, his role in Jingle Jangle 
oh my God, he has the best song in that show. He's so, like, he's such a good singer. He's a phenomenal dancer, and he doesn't do any dancing, and he sings one song. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, Keegan Michael Key sing more. <laughs> we have to do Jingle Jangle this Christmas, like, theme. Oh, Which- I think you'd love it. It's also, like, definitely not a perfect show, but, like, oh, my God, Keegan-Michael Key friggin' kills it. That's He's okay. the best part. They can't all move us, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it just the song, he sings it so beautifully. Um, it's one of my favorite on the soundtrack. I feel like I've said that about every song except, like, Corn Putin. But, but, yeah, I, I love it. I love when, like, the music comes in a bit later because that always reminds me of La Land, too, when she sings the audition. Um, it's like a bit yeah. of acapella at the beginning. And I, I just think that although he had really good chemistry with Emma, um, it, it takes a lot of like good acting to have really good chemistry when you're not getting along for most of the show, like he wasn't getting along with yeah. Melissa. And then at the end, you know, it's just like, you know what? They're right to be together. Like that's very difficult to do. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that like, when you see these flashbacks of their life in New York and see like the really good moments of their relationship and then yeah you see like how connected they are in that final episode I was like oh I love them mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh, they're so good when they were in New York in the snow that was so sweet and they said I love you ah mm-hmm. oh. yeah he needs to be did you watch when he was he was just recently on SNL I think as host Yes, and he was so good because yeah. he's fantastic. I love Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> was he like in stuff when we were kids, or is he just like a new? Now I'm so curious. So what his... else I've seen him in? So his big thing, like his big break, was I think this was in, I want to say the early 2000s. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it was the early 2000s. Um, him and Jordan Peele had the Key and Peele show. Um, and that was like their big break. And I remember like watching episodes of the Key and Peele show with my cousin when I would visit her in Calgary, um, when we were like young teenagers slash tweens. Um, and it was fantastic. Like, oh my God, the Key and Peele show is so funny. Um, I think you'd really like it. It's the bit, um, I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube. It's where the like teacher mispronouncing (laughs) students' names bit comes from. (laughs) Yeah. Oh A-A my Ron. god. And then the, the and then the black guy gets it. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the um that's where that bit comes from. It's where Keegan Michael Key is Obama's anger translator comes from the Key and Peel show. Um so yeah, that was like their big break and then and they did the Key and Peel sh- show for a while and then like Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key, like, are still friends. Like, they still get along, but they just yeah. went in totally different directions with their lives because Jordan Peele became like an Oscar award-winning horror film director, and Keegan Michael Key did a bunch of musicals. Oh, yeah. I know what different things. Uh, so Keegan Peele was around from 2012 to 2015. Oh, I totally thought it was earlier 2000s than that. So I was watching it like as it was airing. I, for some reason, was convinced I was watching reruns. So that show when he's being the the awful teacher, is that not... Oh, see, I always thought that was part of SNL. No, that originated oh. on the Key and Peele show. That is so funny. Now I need to check this out because I love Keegan-Michael Key now. The Key and Peele show is really funny. I think you can find like a bunch of clips of it just on YouTube. 
And yeah, it's great. It was a really good show. Okay, I'm going to check this out. Anyway, I really like that song that he finally sings. I wish he had sung more, but I understand that as his character, he wouldn't. I wish they had done a force one where he had to sing like in Teen Beach Movie when Maya Mitchell was forced to sing, but that did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get the finale song. I'm really excited to talk about the ending, but the finale song where it's basically the same Schmigadoon theme song, but it's more like hip and cool and modern. Yeah. (laughs) No, I like that. That song makes me emo. I really like it. Oh, and the girl's baby was born safely. Anyone that was curious. (laughs) And Mildred even gets to hold her because she starts trying to be a better person. Yeah, and Alan Cummings and the priest have left their wives to be together. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe Mildred and and Alan Cummings' ex-wife will be best friends now. Yes. Oh, wait. Yeah, so the baby... Um, the daughter that was living, like, at the Alps was Kristen Chenoweth's daughter. That was a good reveal. Was I did not see twist. that one coming. That was strong because she's always the one that says she's the only family that has morals. They're the forefathers. You know, everyone else is the problem. And then her own daughter got pregnant before marriage. Yeah. So, and she, like, shunned her, made her live out in the Alps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that was a really good reveal. Um... Also, I will say, not to toot my own horn or anything, but as soon as the, like, because there's, like, the part of the final number where they do, like, the this is how we change, and then they, like, transition into, like, the upbeat, like, hype schmigadoon version. Yeah. And as soon as they did that, I turned to my parents, and I was like, oh, the show's going to end before they cross the bridge. And my parents were like, what? And I was like, one I was like I am calling it right now they are going to get to the bridge and they're going to be about to cross it and it's going to cut to black that's absolutely how the show's going to end like a thousand percent and I was right it made me so angry Christina because when they were singing that song I was looking at like how much time there was left and I was like okay Mm -hmm. good there's still like four minutes and 22 seconds we'll see them cross the bridge and then it went black as they were crossing the bridge. <laughs> oh! I, I, I so, as soon as that part of the song started, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Like a thousand percent. <laughs> and Martin Short never came back again. <laughs> Martin Short never came back. He should have been in the final number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just pop by. Um, but yeah, so what are your theories about that? Like, do you think they love each other now? Yeah, so I, this is my theory and it's like, really cheesy but it fits the theme of the show is I think I like to think that they did successfully make it over the bridge and I think that like obviously the whole point of the show is like they were always meant to be each other's true loves they just had to actually believe that and like put the work into their relationship to be each other's true loves and so I think that the reason that the show ends the way it does is because we have to, like, we, the audience, have to believe that they are true loves without seeing it. Like, we have to take that same leap of faith that Mel and Josh do. Right. Is my, like, is my interpretation of it is it's like, okay, Mel and Josh have now, like, finally grown and realized that, like, they have to actually believe that each other is their true loves. And so we, the audience, also have to believe it, which is why we never get to see it. Right. Ah, then I want to see still more of Ce- um Cecily. I want to see more of Schmigadoon, but like, you know, with the other townspeople then. Can I can I tell you what my prediction is for like 
more seasons because my dad and I had a genius idea. If this isn't what season two of the show is, it's what it should be. <laughs> no, okay, so not all to the, do my own horn. You know, high-powered people that are listening to this. Yeah, to all of to Lauren Michaels, uh, your biggest fan. Yes. <laughs> okay, so this season, I feel like every like, okay. Melissa and Josh's story was wrapped up really well. Like, Danny's didn't really, and, like, there was some, like, loose ends with the townsfolk, but, like, Melissa, Melissa and Josh, I feel like their story wrapped perfectly, had a beautiful little ending. Like, we don't need to see any more of them in those roles. I think that that was, like, a good wrap-up. And the, the sh- like, Schmigadoon clearly is, like, very much, like, you know, it pulls from Oklahoma, The Sound of Music, like, Music Man. Like, it's very, like... 40s through 60s like golden age musicals is what we're going for so my dad and I were like what if in season two you get all of the same actors back except for maybe like Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key although I think it would be funny to have them play like a different couple but anyway you could have a different you could have different actors but you get everybody else back and in this and then the next season like Schmigadoon the town still exists but this time it's a parody of, like, the next genre of musicals. So, like, every season we go through, like, a different, like, type oh. of musical. So we still have all of the same actors, and they're still playing, like, the same, like, character archetypes. Like, Danny, uh, Aaron Tveit can still be the sexy one. Kristen Chenoweth can still be, like, the villain. Um, Alan Cumming can still be, like, the wise old man. But now they're in, like... 70s through 90s like pop rock like Andrew Lloyd Webber Stephen Sondheim musicals yes. well I know who Aaron Tveit will be he'll be Danny Zuko <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's perfect <laughs> um Kenan Thompson can be the baker in Into the Woods um yes Melissa yep. Senor can be you know one of the Cinderella's Pete Davidson could be the wolf <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh lord michaels yeah, i know yeah, you're he listening <laughs> but like i don't know i think that that would be like if that's not already where they're going with season two i don't know i think that like that would be so fun that would be so cool to have it be like get all the same actors back but now we're in like a new genre of musical and we have like either a different couple or maybe it could be like my dad and I were like maybe it could be like a different type of relationship like maybe it's like a parent and a child who need to reconnect or like siblings or something that is such a good idea and go through or like you know actually have the balls to do a Gene Kelly one that's well known like I would love to see that I mean I love Gene Kelly and I love the two classic movies that he's from I mentioned singing in the rain and American Paris but let's see a parody of those I would love that yeah it'd be so funny I just think like yeah I think I'm like thinking of like the musicals that came out in the 70s through 90s and yeah like there there's so much room to parody Andrew Lloyd Webber and Stephen Sondheim and Leonard Bernstein yes. and friggin um Stephen actually Stephen Schwartz would probably be if they did like if season three was like early 2000s oh man oh. Stephen Schwartz parodies please <laughs> instead of remaking decent musicals why don't we just make them in shows and make fun of them 
Yeah, <laughs> I could do not we agree need more. another West Side Story? Also, we don't. We do not I, need we another don't. West Side like, Story. I'm sure that the movie will be fine. It looks really cool visually, but like I could we not care less not about another West Side Story movie. One. Also, um, <laughs> Emma the school marm. I forget what you said her name was. She is. Um, she is Anita in West Side Story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's playing a teenager again. <laughs> Well, I think they are they in high school in West Side Story? Are they not like in their twenties? No. Oh yeah, no. You're probably right. They're probably (laughs) not in high school. Um. Yeah, I know. Like, just let's just make fun of them. We don't need remakes. They're they're great when they were made. Um. They're classics. They're beautifully filmed. So just let's make fun of them now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I cannot agree more. (laughs) With Pete Davidson. Oh my god, I want Pete Davidson to show up in an episode of Schmigadoon so bad. As long as his role is like, as long as Pete Davidson's role is like just as brief as Martin Short as the Leprechaun, that's all yes. the Pete Davidson we need. He just needs to shrug his shoulders and I will be satisfied. <laughs> then he can leave. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Let's just do this, have the same people as the extras, but then everyone else be SNL cast members. <laughs> Can even be old ones. Yeah. Bring in Dan Aykroyd. Oh my yeah. God. Bring in An- Adam Sandler. <laughs> Bring in Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Please. Bring in, yeah, oh my God. Serious. Bring, Eddie Murphy has like enough cast members to be in the show. He's like 12 children, so they can all be in it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, I couldn't find any fun facts about this, like, show, sadly. I, I was surprised. I thought there'd be some interesting, like, casting what-ifs, but there weren't any, Beans. which was kind of sad, but, I f- yeah. I feel like, so maybe it's just that the actors are really good, but I feel like they got, like, all, like, the exact actors they wanted for every role, because everybody was perfect in their role. Yes, I know, and it's one of those... Things that I haven't seen in a long time with these limited series. or Well, not that this yeah. is a limited series, but even in the series that we've done here, we've done um, WandaVision, which I really enjoyed, uh, Queen's Gambit, um, and then that one I didn't like, Bridgerton. <laughs> but, like, I feel like we did another... Did we not do another show? Oh, we did Over the Garden Wall. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, but with the live-action ones... I really liked this show because everyone was cast perfectly. Yeah. And it was just an original story and a great idea. Again, like, how was this never done before? Yeah, I I loved it. And yeah, I totally agree. I know that because um, I really, really love when they do professional recordings of musicals on stage, like the Hamilton one. Phenomenal. They just released on Apple TV a professional recording of Come From Away. Absolutely phenomenal. Like, fantastic. Oh, have you already seen it? I watched it yesterday because, like, you know, it was 9-11. The show's about 9-11. It felt appropriate. Um, So, yeah, I I watched Come... And also I wanted to see Come From Away, like, the day it came out. Um, But, like, Come From Away, fantastic. Um, There's so many incredible, like, live recordings of musicals like professional ones on Broadway HD and like PBS that are fantastic they're so good we don't need movie adaptations of musicals we need parody movies of musicals 
or original movie yes. musicals like La La Land or just give us professional recordings of stage musicals. It's so much better. Yes, thank you. Because we need to come up with either new musicals like La La Land, which they've never done since and they didn't really do beforehand. Yeah. Which is so pathetic. Or we just gotta like make the musicals and take a different spin on it, to take different, like, do something different with it, and then make it in a series. We don't need movies anymore. Yeah, I agree. In the sense of musicals, yeah. <laughs> not in general. I mean, the, like, Dear Evan Hansen movie, like, just was dropped at the Toronto International Film Festival, and to absolutely nobody's surprise, it's bad. It's getting terrible reviews, because of course it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need this. Who's not listening? Steven Spielberg. Why? 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 After they should have just stopped after Cats. They should have like been like, okay. Oh my god. That's enough. <laughs> Into the Woods was the last good one. Oh, Into the Woods was good. Yeah. I have to rewatch that one. Anyway, um, I do have one fact. The the man that did the costumes for this, his name's um, Bo Welch, and he also did all the costumes for the Tim Burton films, like Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice. Oh. Um, he also did Men in Black, Batman Returns, The Cat in the Hat, um, The Color Purple, and The Birdcage, which hey. you mentioned. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, so he's done a lot. That's really cool. Okay, so should we move to the final judgment? <laughs> I I think so. Did Schmigadoon move you or not? Yeah, it did. I mean, if you can't tell from this episode of your podcast, I love yeah. Golden Age musicals. Golden Age is... Honestly, Golden Age is my favorite age of musicals. Mu- like, for as problematic as they were, like, musicals peaked in the Golden Age. <laughs> we've never gotten that... Oh, we've yeah. never been that good since. Um... And yeah, I loved it. I loved that it was simultaneously like a love letter to Golden Age musicals while also like making fun of all the like terrible problematic things in them. Uh, It was funny, like a genuinely funny show. All the music slapped. The casting was perfect. And it made me emotional. So I liked it. (laughs) Yeah, it totally moved me too. And like you said about how the Golden Age was just the best age it was like the marvel age back then (laughs) yeah honestly like what marvel movies are to cinema now is what uh what golden age musicals were to cinema then yeah and and although it totally moved me we're never gonna get to that again we're never gonna get a fred astaire or gene kelly or ginger rogers again but instead of like trying to recreate their movies, which I bet someone's gonna recreate Singing in the Rain, which is just cursed, um, it's more fun to just realize no one's gonna dance like that again or, or you know, be like a Gene Kelly. So why don't we just have great dancers and great singers and put them in a show and just make fun of the old musicals? It's such a great idea. The costumes were amazing. The acting was great the casting was so well done i loved how they had all their sexual innuendos through the songs yeah and made it really funny and intelligent not like you know dirty and and uh, gross to watch um and i like that they touched on the problematic aspects like you said about the original musicals and how it's okay to spank women and tell them yeah. to go and have a time out and lock them in rooms and do all these things and that they 
continued showing at least the spanking in this show, but then, you know, they had someone say, hey, that's not okay, or, you know, look at it in a 2020 viewpoint. And I thought that was really well done because I don't like when shows pretend to sugarcoat what happened in the, the, the olden days, which wasn't good things, and then just pretend that it never even occurred because that yeah. really bothers me a lot. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so thank you, Lauren Michaels, for creating this show. Yeah, it was so good. And I'm really glad that he was the one to do it. Me too. And I'm really glad they got Cecily Strong in it. Um, she was a perfect Melissa. Yeah. And I'm hoping she'll be, like, when she eventually does leave SNL, because I think she's been there for 10 years now, um, she'll, she'll pick decent roles for herself and not do, like, you know, those movies where women are shown really badly, like the Amy Powler stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to listen to the soundtrack, you can find it, like Christina said, on Apple Music or on Spotify. And if you want to check out the show, it's on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, all the episodes are out now, like we said. And I want to thank you, for Christ- Christina, for coming back on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am going to watch this show again very soon with Hannah, and I can't wait. Me too. I love it so much. It's a great movie to watch, like in the... Or movie. It's a great show to watch in the spring and the summer. Like, it is a good summer, feel-good show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I want to thank you all for listening, and don't forget to click the subscribe button. And if you have any film or series suggestions you want us to do you can email me at emma reviews movies at gmail.com and we'll uh, we'll schmig you all soon 